Uh, join me in prayer, please. Our Father, who is our God, we come this afternoon, Lord, realizing and understanding that you are God and God all by yourself. Lord, we just ask for spiritual eyes to see the truth and ears, Lord, to hear it and hearts, Lord, ready to submit to it. Right now, Lord, open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your word through Jesus Christ. We ask it. Amen. Amen. What I'm going to do, just kind of briefly, is I'm going to read uh, Matthew chapter 21, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. So will you please stand as I uh, read these verses? And let me just kind of uh, ask, uh, you have your Bibles there. Now, I'm reading from uh, uh, ESV, English Standard Version. And the topic, I'm, I'm going to use the term topic, it says the triumphant entry. Does anyone else Bible say anything different? And why I'm saying that is, I normally talk in terms of that's my text. That's the text that I'm speaking from. But I'm going to use the scripture, Matthew 21, 1 through 11, to support my text or support my topic. Now, yeah, that's what I'm interested in. Go ahead. Now, see? Her say something different, which I like that, because that's exactly what Jesus is doing. He is presenting himself to the nation of Israel. And I think we saw this morning that if you look up the word triumph, it means something altogether than what we saw, what we read, because that's exactly it. Now, let me just kind of say this as well. She has a different text or topic than I do. Those texts and uh, topics are not inspired. It's the scripture that is inspired. Man has put those topics or texts there. Also, man has also done what? Divided what? The Bible into? Is that inspired? Okay. That, that, that's, uh, I appreciate that. So I think someone kind of see what's going on. So that's very, very important. And that's why a lot of times, and Paul knows in Sunday school class, I don't like that. Can someone else give me something else? And then someone, I said, I like that. I, I like that. So I apologize for that, but I just want to kind of make that clear in regards to uh, what I was trying to kind of get us to see this morning. So here the word of God is recorded in Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, and came to Bethaz, to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a coat with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone say anything to you, you shall say, The Lord need them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a coat, the fowl of a beast of burden. 
The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the coat and put them and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowd that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. You may be seated. Now, now, I don't intend to go back and look at those verses. I'm just going to kind of talk and kind of throw out some things there. And I think uh, you'll see this and probably can agree with me in regards to uh, what I'm trying to do this afternoon. Uh, and I have a text this afternoon titled Attitudes of the Crowd. I could say faces of the crowd. And the only thing that I want to do is I just want to point out some attitudes that was within these crowds. And you got to understand there was many crowds. It wasn't just one crowd because how they come into Jerusalem, uh, Mike helped me out here. I think there's what, 12 gates? And those 12 gates, certain people will relegate around at those particular gates. And if my memory serves me correctly, I think Jesus and his group comes round to the fish gate. But don't worry about that. I, I think that's where, and that's where they kind of hung out at. And another crowd may hang out at this gate, this gate. So this was a, a mass of people in this city, which we realized this morning. But also with these mass of people, let's look at the type of people that was there. Because within a few days, they said crucify Jesus. So what about the believer? Now, understand this. Let's try to put this in perspective. You remember when Jesus was raised from the dead, he showed himself to 520 and 12. What is that, Mike? 632? Okay. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he showed himself to 632 people. And and and, and and you can go and check me on this here. When he would raise himself from the dead, guess what? No unbeliever saw Jesus. That, that's a miracle in itself. So now think about this here. All these masses of people going into Jerusalem that Sunday was in the million. And here's only 632 people that he can claim as disciples when he was raised from the dead. So something is not right with that picture. But it kind of going to show you that many of the people was following Jesus, not out of salvation. It was just to get the food, get the healing, to get this, to get that, so forth and so on. So that's what I want to look at is, let's see if we can see some of these people. So the first group of people I want us to think about is, let me say this then. <laughs> I was getting ready to say the first group of people are the committed people. 
And when I got ready to say that, something just came into my heart, and here it go. They say, if you want to know how popular your church is, go to church on Sunday. If you want to know how popular your church is, go to church on Sunday. Now, we normally have a large what? Crowd. If you want to know how popular the pastor is, go to a Sunday evening service. Now we got what? A little smaller crowd, right? And if you want to know how popular Jesus Christ is, go to a Friday night prayer meeting. Now what do you have? Say it off, brother. A smaller crowd, right? Huh? You got a smaller crowd. And I'm being facetious, but I'm trying to show you something in regards to the committed. And that's how I look at this group, a committed group. Now, I just read a verse, and in, 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 in Mike said, I'm sure glad you guys are here this afternoon. And I was sitting there and saying, man, I'm wondering would they even come back after they saw me break down up here. So I was glad that you did come back because I was deeply touched this morning when I read that. The Lord has need of it. And I'm saying, wait a minute, the Lord has need of it. I remember Tim coming up to me and saying, Morris, would you preach Sunday? What could I say? The Lord had need of me. And so that's why I began to call out names this morning. But it wasn't to embarrass anybody. I think it was something positive to say, the Lord has need of you. So I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to put Cynthia on the spot. Now, we need a vacation private school director. We didn't get one. We got how many? Wow. How did you determine that, Cynthia? How, how did that come about? Now, you, you, do you see what happened? Somebody did what? When it asked her. And I'm going to tell you something, guys. We are not asking one another in church for their talent and their resources. We are not doing that. I'm, we are not doing it. And that's what we've got to do. And there's nothing wrong with catching them by themselves and say, Mike, would you help me do this? Because God's work is so big that it takes all of us to do it. See, Jesus did it by himself when he was on earth here, but then he goes away and he empowered 12 guys, and they empowered someone else and empowered someone else. So this is what's going on. See what you just said. What did I say? Somebody came and asked me. People are willing to do whatever needs to be done in the church, but you've got to ask them. So with that said, they're committed. So now, let me ask you this here. That large crowd of people, you almost got to say someone was in that crowd was committed. Lazarus had to be committed. Jesus raised him from the dead. Mary and Martha were very, very dear friends of Jesus. They had to be committed. Even though the disciples didn't understand a lot of what was going on, but when it was all said and done, when Jesus was raised from the dead, they too was committed. But most of that crowd was not committed to Jesus. And something Paul hammers into the Sunday school class is they wanted a military leader. They wanted a military leader. And when they realized a man coming into Jerusalem on a donkey, that is not going to get it. 
And that's when they turned on him. So we know that some was committed. And, 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 and I'm just speculating, but I think that you would have to agree that some were committed. Go ahead. Okay, because it says that, didn't it? The Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives is just only, what, one or two miles from Jerusalem. Oh, I made a mistake. Bethany is one or two miles from there. But Mike is right. I knew it was a gate, but it's 12 of those gates, and I have tried to study those, and I still can't get a handle on them. Thanks, Mike, for that. Yeah. Okay. Now, also in that crowd, there were some very, very positive people in that crowd. Those people perhaps believed that Jesus Christ was a good teacher, or a great teacher. Jesus Christ was a prophet. See, they were very, very positive about Jesus, but they didn't go all the way to claim Jesus as king based upon Jesus presented himself as the Messiah who has come in peace to save them. They want to accept Jesus on their own terms. So they were very, very positive about Jesus, but when it was all said and done, this is not the man that we want. Now understand, I'm just talking. I'm not giving a lot of scriptures to substantiate this, but I think we can spiritually speculate that this is the case. Now, here's a group here, and I think you can agree because we can see scripturally is the case. And if you look at verse 10 in your Bible, you will see some people that are confused. Because they say, what? Who is this? See? All these people following Jesus, and it came down when the rubber meets the road, they say, who is this? They were very, very confused people. And these are people who maybe heard about Jesus. Because Jesus was very, very popular. But he didn't come to be popular. But by virtue of the things that he was doing, he became very, very popular. In fact about it, they wanted to make him king at one point in time, didn't they, Mike? But he would flee and say, no, it's not time. But Passover became time for me to reveal myself as king. And the point is, he didn't say it. He wanted them to say it. And they said it. But many times he would say, keep quiet, don't say anything. Keep quiet, don't say anything. But this particular day, in fact about it, I think over there in John, there's one scripture where the Pharisees said, teacher, tell them to be quiet. And Jesus responded and said, I'm not going to rebuke them for telling the truth. I am that. <laughs> now, I can easily say those that said, who is this? I, I just said they were confused. I all can say that that group said, who is this? They was ignorant 
of Jesus. I could easily say that instead of confused. But I think if I say they are confused, that means one thing. If I say they are ignorant, it simply means that they just had a total lack of knowledge of who this man was. Okay? Who is this? Perhaps they was confused. Perhaps they was part of a group that was just ignorant of who Jesus was with no knowledge of him. And they saw Jesus, but many left unchanged. Those are what I call the ignorance who had no knowledge of Jesus. When all that was left on the road was coats and palm leaves, and their excitement turned to disappointment. Now, I don't have this verse up, and you can look at it, but John twelve thirty seven. there's a group in the crowd who are pretenders. And right off the bat, we know who those are, They are the religious people. They are the Sadducees and Pharisees. They are pretenders. They act like they knew Jesus and maybe perhaps told people they knew Jesus. But in John's account, we notice that they want to kill Jesus. They hated Jesus. Because Jesus was a threat to their religious system. Those are the pretenders. Okay, next we'll see in John also, John chapter 12, verses 17 and 18. We'll see a group that are curious. They're very, very curious about who Jesus is. The crowd that has been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he has done these signs. In fact, about it, Jesus had, Jesus made a statement that Many believe on him only because of the signs. And it's over in John, but it goes on to say that Jesus did not commit himself to them because he realized that they was not the real thing. They was not true believers. So many came because they were curious and wanted to see this man. They had heard about him and his works. They were curious. And we can thank God for the curious. And curiosity often brings people to salvation. I have no doubt that many who came on that day saw Jesus and left change. I would have to speculate to believe that. You know, even though I just kind of gave you a number of 632 people that Jesus showed himself to after he was raised from the dead.
Because if you think about over there in the book of Acts, uh, right after Passover, so many people remained there in Jerusalem. Do you remember that? In fact, about it, it was such a large group of people did not return to their hometown that they began to sell their goods and stuff that the people who didn't return could be taken care of. That's over in the book of Acts. And here's another group, and this is the last uh, attitude or the last faces in the crowd. They are the opposers. And that's over in Luke 19, verses 38 through 40. And it goes on to say, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, and I hear it go right here. I didn't realize I had this. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these was not silent, the very stones would cry out. And we know that opposition to Jesus Christ will only bring one condemnation. And many of those Sadducees and Pharisees, believe me, are and will be condemned. Because they had a lot of light, but yet they rejected that light over and over again, even to the point to kill the Messiah, to kill their king. So that's and in fact about it, they were in cahoot with the Roman government. And they was Jews, the Sadducees and Pharisees. And the Roman government had specifically kind of chosen them to kind of oversee the Jewish crowd that they would not instigate any kind of insurrection. And that was very, very important assignment that the Sadducees and Pharisees had. And that's why they would always follow Jesus around. Not only to try to trick him, but to make sure that he didn't stir up in the crowd. And that's why I said this morning is Jesus intentionally wanted to manifest this mass demonstration going into Jerusalem. He wanted something to happen. He knew that he had to die on Passover. So since the Sadducees and Pharisees wanted to kill him, it was ordained by God that it must be done on Passover. So it really kind of going to show you that God was in charge of everything and Jesus was committed to the Father to carry out this thing to the teeth. And the interesting thing was this, I, I kind of think about this, uh, you can even t- take Judas. Judas was part of one who was in opposition to Jesus. So the only saving response, and we have looked at many faces that was in the crowd, many attitudes that was in the crowd, I'm not going to go back and try to recapitulate them, but we know without a doubt that the only saving response to the Lord Jesus Christ is we bow the knee, we acknowledge him to be king and to be our king. We acknowledge him to be the Lord, our Lord. 
We acknowledge him to be the Savior, our Savior. So every time this passage is read, the question is put, what do you think of Jesus? Who is this? Who do you say that I am? There's only one saving response to that, and that is press on all of us today. So in closing, I'd like to encourage us here tonight to live a congruent life, and by that I mean a life in which belief and behavior agree. That is what one really believes is the same as his conduct. So I encourage you to live a life that is reflected of your belief. Uh, let us pray. Father, search our hearts and show us where we are in our belief. By the void we have experienced in our leadership, Lord, you have shown us that we need to be committed to the body of Christ. May the next shepherd you send to heaven be committed to the body of Christ. As the under shepherd, Lord, I pray he understand that the commitment he makes is giving himself to us as we give ourselves to him. That is, Lord, what true commitment really is. Father, may there be none at Haven confused of who your son truly is. Lord, I pray none are pretenders that walk through the doors at Haven, but genuine followers of Jesus Christ. Lord, I also pray that we have none in our midst that oppose our Lord and God, but understand and accept the reality that Jesus Christ is who he say he is. And they can believe that no opposition. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.